So do you think, now that we've gone through the big change, do you think this podcast will still be funny? I don't know. Maybe. Probably. Hopefully. I hope so, too. The, uh, you know, the big, the big news, the inauguration of President Bernard Sanders. Oh, yeah. He's the president of, uh, of our hearts. No, he's the, he's the president of the country. Is that how it works? Yeah, of, of the United States of America, yeah. Interesting. Why do you think everyone was posting those photos of him? Because he's the new president. Hmm. All right. That I mean, makes and, sense. you know, here's the thing. We have to hold President Bernie Sanders accountable if we want to have, you know, truly a United States. Yes, that is true. I'm I'm really sick of these Bernie memes, though. Are, are you? No, not at all. Really? Oh, dude, like I uh, I uh, like after like uh, by the end of the day. On, I mean, we're recording this on Thursday. Uh, by the end of the day on Wednesday, I was thoroughly sick of it. People have made apparel. Someone made a thing where you can insert him into any image on Google Maps. Wow. People, people are already selling merch. People, uh, like, I don't understand. I'd buy a TV it, show or a t-shirt. You would buy a TV show about Bernie Sanders here? (laughs) (laughs) It's like a a singing competition, but the judge is Bernie Sanders in a chair. (laughs) He's just never impressed. Uh, Coming coming up this this fall on NBC, Bernie in a chair. Honestly, I I feel like Bernie probably hates it, too. Because he doesn't like that it's distracting from his legislative agenda. That's true. I do He's think probably like, it's just a damn jacket. No, it is. Well, and uh, the funniest thing is apparently there was this, like, some conservative hit piece about how Bernie owns, like, a $700 jacket. Yeah, that was, like, years ago, though. Right. But it turns out he wears that same jacket in everything. It's his like, only jacket. Yes, in the other meme of him, he's also wearing that jacket. And Mm -hmm. apparently he got it for free. And he also got his mittens for free. His mittens were handmade by a retired teacher in Vermont. (laughs) And he wears them everywhere. Yeah, so the man is is rocking one outfit. I mean, I get the appeal of the image. I, I saw it, I thought, oh, that's... That's great. It's like, oh, yep, Bernie's just, you know, swinging by the inauguration on the way to do his dry cleaning and, you know, whatever else. But, man, does everything need Bernie Sanders inserted into it? Yes. Just every single, you know, in fact, I'm looking at this this picture right now that Dick Dastardly sent to us from Joel McHale's book where he's fighting a Chevy Chase attack off. And all I can see is Bernie Sanders now. It's like it's like it's like when you stare at something too long and then it's kind of burned into your eyes. Has there been like a, a picture of Biden in the Oval Office signing things with Bernie sitting next to him? No. I do you think Bernie's 
been to the Oval Office? We're going to have to make a pause real quick while I make that. Oh, oh, you mean... <laughs> like, I, I thought inserted you meant a real him photo. signing the... I have to orders. think... I have to think there's already one of those. There's already Troy and Abed and Bernie in the morning. There's already Bernie at the study room table. There's, like, Bernie in every single movie. I... I certainly hope there's Bernie and Weekend at Bernie's already. I mean, that probably existed even before the chair. Yeah, probably. But, I, you know, I, another take of it is just like, if you go to Vermont, that's probably what every single, you know, coffee shop is like. It's just filled with dudes that look exactly like that. Yeah, probably like same same coat, similar <laughs> mittens. Like, yeah, we all think Bernie's so great, but it's actually just everyone in Vermont is exactly like that. I hope so. I might have to move to Vermont. But, uh, yeah, President Bernie Sanders. Um, can you hit me with that theme song button? Bloop. Andre in the morning. Hey, human beings. I'm Dom. And I'm Andre. And you're listening to Dom and Andre in the morning, the show where we are watching every single episode of Community. Today, we are talking about season two, episode eight. Yeah, eight. And the 33rd episode overall, um, Cooperative Calligraphy, which uh, we'll talk about in just a bit. But uh, Andre, how has the week been in the midst of the inauguration fantastic oh yeah yeah so uh, what's new, what's new with you what's new well yeah uh, had to go back into my office so that's not great but oh yeah the old uh gosh i don't think we've made a joke about what you do exactly yeah that's okay in fact in fact we've probably honestly just straight up said it before but probably probably yeah. in regards to toilet paper I, you know my first thought was the foundry i was gonna say you were in the foundry the foundry i don't yeah the foundry office i believe it's just the the toilet paper factory that's a yeah that's a pretty pretty good one yeah well that that sounds pretty great i mean where are the toilet paper factory workers uh on you know where where are they in the vaccine line you know probably probably after the other people Probably like a nice, you know, phase 3C or something, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, well, that's great. And then, you know, that was the inauguration, you know, the, that was good. That was nice the to meme, see. The meme event of the year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's good to see it. Um, You know, and, and Mr. Uh, Pierce Hawthorne flew off into the sunset uh, playing My Way by Frank Sinatra. <laughs> the video... <laughs> Of the plane taking off to the last beat of my way. <laughs> uh, you gotta, you gotta hand it to him. You know that's how I'd want to go out. Like that's, that's no one the, ever said he wasn't a showman. Like man, that's what a way to go out. But yeah, honestly, I feel like there's nothing to like. Here's the thing: I'm sure politics are gonna continue to be extremely bad. But now everyone's going to feel like they're good again. Yeah, I'm not, and, I'm not uh, too worried about it now. Really? 
No. See, I, no I, but... I, okay, yeah. No, I, I mean, I feel like it's just, we're not going to be getting, like, spoon-fed bad news as much, but there's still going to be a lot of bad news, you know? I'll probably only you know, doom scroll for, like, two or three hours a day now, instead of seven that's, or eight. That's good. But yeah, I mean, it's just like, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think we're going to do another insurrection, or another... You know, and there's not just going to be the, the I, I mean, maybe this is good, maybe because, you know, comedy sucked the last four years. So I think our podcast is going to get even funnier. You know, I'm I'm pretty confident because we're not going to have to talk about four seasons, total landscaping or. Uh, God, I don't even know what else happened. Or, or, or about how. You know, you have to flush the toilet five times or whatever. You know, we're not going to have to talk about stuff like that. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll have less of less of this cringe, you know, kind of kind of humor. And now I'll have plenty of time to, like, pontificate on here about, like, my, you know, anti-celebrity worship, uh, uh, you know, views that which really is is the culture that got us here in the first place. Oh, I thought we were just going to turn this into a uh, podcast dedicated solely to Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> we could talk about uh, Pete every week. The Pete... Uh, Pete, uh, Pete Power Hour. That's what we'll call it. The Pete Power Hour. I was thinking more like the Pete Post. You know, kind of like the mail. The, the Pete Mailbag. It's like oh Pete Post. yeah, or uh... Posty Pete, I think was the guy from. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I think we could, yeah, Posty Pete. Um. Well, yeah, you can't wear now. Uh, Posty Pete actually just mandated that you can't not wear a mask on public transit. Yeah, and I'm surprised that was an option. <laughs> Are you telling me? There are places where you can get on a train or a like a bus, and not uh, not wear a mask. I mean, the last time I was on a train, I'd say about a third of the people were not masked. I'm sorry. When were you last on a train? Like September. What? Oh, <laughs> okay. I was thinking like an Amtrak for some reason. No, the. The local Toledo light rail. You're, yes, you're t- you're talking about the 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 TSA, which is of course the Toledo um, Subway Association. Yeah. Yes, the Toledo they also Subway franchise Subway restaurants too. It's a little <laughs> weird setup they've got going on. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I don't think there's any. Is there much else new with Pete this week? Uh, well, you know, did you see his quote today? Uh, I enjoy long train trips as well as short ones. Thank you, Pete. Me too. Uh, I think you speak wow. for most Americans. Now, I'm not convinced Pete has been on a train. You know, there's a train that goes from uh, South Bend to Chicago, right? So he's probably been on a train. Oh. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I suppose... Well, yeah, that's what's new with Posty Pete, I guess. I mean, we'll we'll check back in when he gets confirmed. What if he didn't get confirmed, and then this segment lasts like exactly one week? Yeah, that would be really, it's really disappointing for <laughs> for us. 
That would not be good for our brand. Stock in Dominandre is going to just drop like a rock. Oh, Buttigieg eyes more mask restrictions on all modes of transportation. He's going to require you to wear a mask every time you go swimming in the local oil pipeline. <laughs> How dare they? This is an infringement of my rights. It is. You yeah. know, we've been going swimming in the oil pipeline for, for years. And there was never any problem with it till these these liberals took over. And suddenly suddenly we can't do this time honored tradition. Can't go for a nice dip in the in the oil well. No. And if you do go for a dip in the oil well, you'll be oil unwell. Do you want to uh, talk about the episode? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so today we are talking about cooperative calligraphy, which is in fact the eighth episode in season two, the third thirty-third episode overall. We're thirty percent of the way through the show. Um so originally aired on November eleventh, twenty ten. Was that Veterans Day? We gotta honor all troops. Yes. Um Production code 208, directed by Joe Russo, and written by Megan Gantz, which may be her first writing credit. This is a, a particularly not well-maintained Wikipedia page. Uh, yes, I might have to edit this into the Wikipedia page, uh, but I won't do it right now. This is Megan Gantz's first writing credit, uh, who also went on to write Mythic Quest. Um, and a bunch of other community episodes. Um, so Andre, do you remember cooperative calligraphy? I do not. No idea. Also, you're, uh, you're no longer sharing your screen. Yeah. I've been trying to fix that, uh, discreetly. Well, and I fixed it. Knows. Well, you're the one who said it. Well, you, it was your, your fault. Did it just go away again? Um. Okay, so uh, IMDb, let's see, it's got a score of 9.1 out of 10. That's on 3,700 that really ratings. High. I think that is really high. Is there like a ranking for like best TV episodes ever? Uh, it's got the like second to last Breaking Bad episodes, number one, I think. Okay, so the answer is yes. Oh my god, it oh, was. Yeah. Ozymandias. Nice. Uh, yeah, that's got a perfect ten. Yeah, and that's that's and incredible that's with one hundred and twenty-seven thousand people. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how that works. But... So does that mean no one's ever not given it ten? I mean, I would assume that it's can't like be. the the median or something. It's got to have some tolerance for. Oh wow, is this one of the new Star Wars Clone Wars? Oh yeah, one of the new Star Wars Clone Wars episodes is fourth. This just came out. Um, I'm learning is I should watch Star Wars and Attack on Titan. Yeah. Wow. A lot of Star Wars episodes are up here. Um, wow. Yeah. So apparently a 9.1 is not that good because. Now, I feel like anime's got to just win here by like sheer. Oh, there is a Dan Harmon appearance in the top 50. It's a Rick and Morty episode. Now, I don't feel like BoJack Horseman deserves to be in this mix wait was that like the finale of bojack horseman 
this free churro is i think the one where his mom dies and it's like the whole thing is literally just a eulogy six spoiler yeah oh yeah sorry we got suits in here i just want to see if there's any community episodes like even that rank in the oh oh well yeah i guess i should have known that number 63 uh oh modern warfare too number 63 is remedial chaos theory 65 is modern warfare that's really surprising actually i i'm kind of surprised that modern warfare ranks that high and none of the other ones do oh yeah and 121 is is paintball or paintball number two okay so anyways i i think the moral of the story here is you have to go down pretty far I, i'm sure 9.1 is good percentile wise but it is uh it's, it's not the best um so are you are you ready to watch the episode i'm ready i'm ready thank you spongebob you know you can use an ad blocker to block the ads on hulu fun fact i don't think you can do that i'm not gonna junk up my computer with ad blocker all right so in the first scene of the episode we have the study group all gathered to work on a paper mache project for anthropology class uh when the dean does a drive-by deaning and uh lets them know that there's a puppy parade going out on out on the quad which uh, honestly seems like a somewhat realistic wacky thing that would be happening at college um Pierce's legs are still uh, broken. He's gotten a very sophisticated uh, blow-in-a-tube wheelchair, which I I've always been very curious if this is a real thing. But I imagine it's not. And uh, Jeff also has a date to catch or a catch to date which it turns out is not a joke he made up on the spot because he also said it to the Dean. Um, and then Annie can't find her pen. And this starts the main uh, conceit of the episode, which is that she kind of loses her shit and uh, is basically done being the uh, nice, you know, little young Annie and, uh, says that nobody is going to leave and go to the puppy parade until uh, until she finds her pen. What did you think of this scene? Yeah, the part where, where Pierce, uh, well, Abed says, no, I'm strictly mechanical pencils these days, and Pierce says, oh, you want something more relatable. What was that supposed to mean? Was it... I think he's... I think he's saying, like, to the audience, which doesn't feel like a line that should have been written for Pierce. Yeah. It, it feels like that's something, like, Jeff would say. Mm-hmm. But I guess Pierce is old Jeff. Um, also, I, yeah, go ahead. I do remember Pierce in the, the chair. but He's I don't in the chair for a while. Yeah, I don't remember anything else, I don't think. Okay, then this is going to be an interesting ride. I think you happen to sleep through a run of 
particularly good episodes. Well, that's good. I'm glad I'm getting <laughs> to see them for the first time here, live. Right. Okay, so a couple things I want to point out to you. Um, after Annie asks about the pen, Abed gives her a chocolate that he just has on hand. Is this some sort of, like, Pavlovian thing that he's doing? Uh, sort of. Um, so do you remember... I, I'm just going to say keep keep in mind the things we mentioned last week that were calls forward to uh, episodes. Like oh, certain... right. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. thinking that. Um, so, yeah, he knows that it's that time of the month, basically. Um, and so that's a, a little bit of a spoiler, but we already talked about that. Um. And then I think I think those are the main little things, except Troy is just like really especially like spacey in this scene, and I don't know why he wants to lick a puppy. Yeah, no. I get. I guess it's one of those things where it's like it's so cute that you want to like pinch its cheeks and like. I don't know. True. I, I hope yeah. he doesn't lick dogs. So I realized. We don't really have a good plan for how to handle an episode like this. Yeah, we were just we were going, and then we were still going, and then we were going some more. Well, six minutes I, later, I just wasn't quite sure where to stop. I I mean, what makes this so interesting is how you know Abed's making all these jokes about how they're doing a bottle episode. But all the dialogue is just so snappy and constant. There feels like no natural place to stop other than the commercial breaks. So I think we just kind of have to take this pretty much line by line and, and see what sticks out here. Uh, because obviously the overarching plot is just that they are trying to figure out who took the pen and basically, the blame just shifts from person to person. So let's just try to talk about some of the lines in here that are that are interesting. Um, and the only other thing I want to point out before we do that is how interesting the camera work in this uh, in this episode actually is, because they have to get really creative with it since every scene is in the study room. The camera actually switches a lot, and there's more close-ups than I remember in any other episode. Normally, you just see the basically static shot of Jeff, and then, you know, each side of the table, basically. Pierce and Troy, Shirley and Annie, Britta and Abed, and Jeff. And then occasionally, like, an angle to the Dean walking in or something else. But this is, like, really chaotic. The camera moves a lot. Um, sometimes it's, like, kind of in motion as the shot changes and the shot is changing every few seconds to these really tight shots of everyone. And so it like evokes that like sense of chaos. So, uh, okay. So Annie establishes up front that, uh, she is certain that the pen was not taken accidentally. Uh, Troy finds out that he often loses things by eating it. Uh, and Annie isn't happy about that. Um, uh, 
And then Abed starts saying that it feels like a bottle episode. Uh, and and see, this, this goes back to... Then Pierce responds going back to the first scene, how we were saying it didn't feel like a Pierce quote. Because then he says, again with the TV crap... And uh, did you take out Annie's pen to make life feel more like Benny Hill? <laughs> Which, what actually is Benny Hill? It's just like an old British show, right? Um, it's where that music comes from. Yeah, but I don't know what it... Benny Hill. Oh, he was a person. The Benny Hill show. Anyways, I guess the point is that... Uh... Oh, apparently it's sexist. Oh, no. Uh, but yeah, so typical, like, old uh, Pierce quote. Um, and then actually, so Abed does directly respond to Pierce, which I think is unusual, because I think it's, like, notable how little they really talk. And he points out that he hates bottle episodes. Um, and he might as well sit with a bucket on my head. <laughs> uh so, I mean, which is kind of pointing out, you know, this is, like, what's so interesting about this episode is, like, bottle episodes are normally done by networks to save money um, and, you know, are, are generally just very static. It's just lots of talking. It's basically a filler episode normally. But this manages to be so, like, unique and so snappy. Um and so, but after that, we get to Britta essentially becoming the suspect, and she launches into this whole tirade about uh, the Constitution and her civil liberties and how the Patriot Act cuts both ways, which Jeff points out is not true. But th this is the first place I kind of want to delve in, is that is Britta so far left that she's actually somehow, like, right again? I think she's just, you know, lib left. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I feel like at the time, Britta was supposed to seem very radical. But, like, looking back, like, a lot of times she has really bad takes. And also, like, it's especially timely because there was all this talk about how, like, Trump getting banned from Twitter was, like, 1984, which obviously it's not. And here, you know, she evokes 1984, which I feel like is, like, literally a buzzword for people who, like, think their rights are getting, like, invaded upon when really, like, 1984 is, like, so, so extreme that it's definitely nothing like 1984. And also, everyone knows we're in Brave New World, not 1984. Oh, God. Are, are you right? Are you serious? What? Was that a serious take? Because, yeah. I mean, maybe. It was a very serious take. Oh, I don't know if I want to think about that. So, and, and also, I think... The 1984 reference also kind of calls forward to a later Brita plotline, but I think we'll get there when we get there. And, uh, yeah, but this is what I mean about how I think Brita is so far right, is then Annie says that she invoked the Freedom of, Freedom of Information Act, 
to request photocopies of her notes. Which I guess, like, FOIA is, like, a lefty thing. But, I don't know. I, I think it's just, like, another example of Britta being, like, sort of confused about something and just, like, saying things that she doesn't know what they mean. Yeah, it's possible. Like, her takes aren't that elevated above, like, Troy thinking that you can find thoughts in your butt. Yeah. Which one would that be crazy? It would. Certainly would. Um, so they get Britta to dump out her bag, and uh, <laughs> she says the gross business of martial law is her her used Q-tip. Um, but yeah, I, seriously, I think it's like I think what's giving me like right vibes is all of like the the rhetoric. She's like, "This is groupthink. This is groupthink." Like, <laughs> welcome to the machine. Because this used to be, like, leftist rhetoric, but I feel like it's totally gotten co-opted. Yeah. This is groupthink, they all say simultaneously. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's, it's like, 1984 is really making, like, a predictive take on, like, big tech. Or, or not even, like, big tech, but, like, the use of tech by the government, specifically. Yeah, but instead, instead they use it for like, this is groupthink. Everyone's wearing a mask to help people. Um, like literally, like talking about how it's 1984 and saying "Welcome to the Machine" is literally like the rhetoric surrounding like opposing like mask mandates. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then they're interrupted by the dean coming on the PA and. Uh, says the puppy parade is starting. And uh, I don't know why a puppy parade would be pointless to go to halfway through. I guess maybe all the puppies are tired. I don't think puppies can parade that far. Uh, but Troy points that out. Uh, Abed resigns himself to that it is, in fact, a bottle episode. Um... Oh, that's right. And they also find the condoms in Britta's, uh, Britta's purse, which Jeff sort of pokes fun at, says, uh, big weekend. She says, I can't complain as they stare directly at each other. And then, uh, <laughs> uh, Britta calls Shirley a mother hen and Shirley says they're around the same age. And, uh, I think Britta's quip is also very good. The uh, sure, unless time it is linear, uh, she says I'll make your Shirley says I'll make your ass linear back. Uh, Pierce makes a racist comment. Uh, Jeff quips back that it's not 1856. Troy thinks that it could be a ghost who took the pen because of this comment. Um. And then they start suspecting that it's in Pierce's cast and he doesn't know what's going on because he's reading his painkiller bottle as octopus loss. Uh, wow. I mean, just like really a lot happens here. Uh, I, like the, I think, you know what this is when Jeff says, you know what this is. And Abed's like, yep. And it's like, he's about to say it's a bottle episode. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because Jeff sort of... I, also, the thing that Annie says that starts Jeff's whole thing bringing it together is, Jeff, you're in charge. And nobody even, even like questions that. They're like, yep, Jeff is in charge. He should handle this. 
But then they all start suspecting that Jeff took the pen. Um, and Jeff is trying to get people to come forward and, and Pierce calls him out. Um, and so eventually they decide that they need to do a lockdown. Another timely, uh, comment. Oh my. And he calls his date Gwenifer, uh, and says that he can't make it. So I think I covered all the big points, hopefully not too granular. Maybe we'll try to stop at some points in the next scene. What did you think of this scene? There was a lot going on. I, you know, I think a, a bottle episode of this show might be a little bit overwhelming compared <laughs> to say like the, the fly episode in Breaking Bad. Oh yeah. Well, just cause of, of like the density of it. Yeah. Like when I when I so think you, of a when I think of a bottle episode, the, the Breaking Bad one's the one I think of. And yeah. there's not really a lot going on. Well, I there's mean, a lot going like, on metaphorically. Well, yeah, but not like <laughs> actually. Yeah. Well, it's just a lot to follow here. I mean, even just putting all seven characters on top of each other is like just a ton going on. Like it seems um, like there were more lines in this first scene of this episode than there were in some episodes. Like total. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I'm skipping over. I'm trying to cover like some of my favorite parts of this, but there really are just so many lines. I mean, I didn't even mention that she uses Guantanamo as a verb. <laughs> but again, I, I, I feel like I should like start evoking this like over the top, like reactionary rhetoric, like in my everyday life. Oh, yeah. If anyone like tries to minorly inconvenience me, I should start like talking about my civil liberties and the Patriot Act and Guantanamo. Do you not carry a pocket constitution? Oh, I absolutely should. Yeah. Maybe I'll put it over my heart so it'll, like, protect me in case... I was case... about to say that, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Any anything else you'd like to like to add about this scene? No, I mean, a lot going on. I'm excited to see what happens. I think Leonard took the pen somehow, but oh, we'll see. Uh, yeah, so do you have any serious guesses as to where the pen is? No, but I, I think I do. No, I think... I think now that I, I've watched it, I know what <laughs> you're remembering at the, end, but, the actual ending, which means that I probably watched this like while I was working. Yeah. And didn't pay attention to the middle part, but paid attention to the beginning and the end. Gotcha. But I still hope it's Leonard. So I think I think we'll try to boldly stop it in the middle of the scene. All right where we're we're up to the point where they're starting to suspect surely when she won't open her bag but before that they're inspecting everyone else's bag uh and just dumping out all of the stuff and trying to see if the pen is there um and i think there's an interesting callback here to uh the end of contemporary american poultry which is you know they're it's interesting that they're kind of it's it's such a subtle reference because if you were just watching this as a one-off episode of the show you'd be like oh these are probably random things like he shredded my backpack he freed my pet monkey but they're calling back to this and so it's interesting that they see this as when they corrupted abed when abed was really trying to uncorrupt them um yeah i really like that jeff says he wouldn't wear a bag because it would cover it would deprive the world of uh seeing part of his chest 
And they just um, go with that, yeah. Yeah, nobody questions that. Uh, also, there's like a weird dynamic between Jeff and Annie at the beginning. where She's like, why are you taking that tone with me? Like, it's very, I, I don't know, just very like playing house, like husband wife to me. Uh, Abed is kind of poking fun at the format where he's like, we hug and cry and then we're done. And then they find the menstrual chart notebook, which we've already alluded to here. Um, and they all play this really well. Like Gillian and Allison and Yvette, like all, I, I think play this scene really well. Like it feels like genuine outrage and shock. And it's like really heavy in a way. And then it's like, kind of disparate because Abed has no idea how to deal with it. He can't even like understand the reaction. He does have like a rational explanation, but he can't like, he's only able to comfort them in like a very programmed way. He just goes through his routine. He offers chocolate. He offers a tissue. Mm -hmm. Um, and Pierce is very impressed, uh, which Jeff kind of looks on in some sort of, you know, disgust. Um, I feel like Pierce in this is is interesting because he's kind of removed from it. He's like kind of goofy, but kind of also becoming like more and more evil, I think. Yeah. Um which we'll get into more of, uh, but then, and then the very end of it is them all doing this weird, uh, rhyming of phrase with celebrities names. The, the well, 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 Harvey Keitel, the, what do you know? Henry David Thoreau, the my, oh my Mike Tyson. Like nobody even questions that. Like if somebody said that in real life, Especially if people kept doing it, I would be like, what is going on? Yeah, I'd be very confused. <laughs> I um, wouldn't be okay with that, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, but Shirley is very apprehensive to open her bag, which is making her, like, suspect number one now. I feel, I feel winded from, from this part. Yeah. Um, where to begin? So, Shirley has a pregnancy test, uh, and, and this is kind of when the worst in everyone starts coming out. I think this is one of those episodes that, like, does really well in defining everyone by their worst character flaw. Shirley being, like, too judgmental, like, Britta being, like, abrasive, Troy being, like, kind of foolish Abed being like not sensitive enough like Jeff being like this unreliable like insecure leader Pierce like being kind of an asshole I don't know if I already said Pierce but just like and then Annie being like super insecure about being young and like uh, needing to be in like control of this situation and like trying to stand up for herself um and but so it all starts kind of going to hell here Shirley thinks that she conceived on Labor Day when she reconnected with her husband 
but then according to Abed's chart, it had to be on Halloween, which I think brings one of the best Donald Glover moments of this episode. Just the look on his face when they oh. cut to him. Oh, <laughs> I it just just made the connection there right. on the Halloween thing. So, right, because the only person that knows, including, you know, including Shirley, the only person that, or, or I mean, even Shirley doesn't know. So the only person that knows uh, that the father, in fact, would have to be Chang oh. is Troy. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, because of the voicemail that we see in the end tag of epidemiology. So... But he doesn't say anything. He just keeps that to himself uh, and is probably freaking out. And, you know, uh, Shirley and Britta are fighting because Shirley was judging Britta for having condoms, but then she's sleeping with her cheating ex-husband or still technically husband, I guess. And uh, also, I should mention, I guess they got Shirley's purse by Pierce, like, faking a clot. Uh, yeah. And then he also blocks her from leaving. That was fantastic work by Pierce. That's why yeah. they keep him around. Yeah, it's it's because of the wheelchair. But, yeah, I, I mean, I really think this is the beginning of a much... Actually, I think it, it starts in the last episode, probably. Because Pierce has just been kind of a goof for the earlier episodes of the season, mostly. And there's even, like, some kind of you know, endearing moments for him, like with the hipsters and whatnot. But I think last episode and this episode, Pierce's character starts to like get this kind of dark cloud over him that like leads us to the Dungeons and Dragons episode. Um, okay. And you have to think that's like, you know, reflexive of how Chevy Chase was acting in real life. And so then after Pierce blocks Shirley from leaving, Jeff starts absolutely losing his shit, upturning everything. And Troy starts helping him again as what I think is like a, you know, Jeff is like his mentor. And then this, this is the part that like makes me like tense up is when Annie says it's just a pen and everyone like turns to her. Yeah. And the way Jeff yells at her is like intense in like a way that would be is so believable, but would be like completely like unacceptable and horrible in real life. Mm -hmm. And then Annie starts losing her shit because she's like, let's all strip down and like until we find it. And then Abed says wait guys stop and you like think he's gonna be like no that's ridiculous let's just forget this but then he says they should actually uh cover up in separate genders and search each other uh naked mm -hmm. but i do like when uh, when annie like takes her like shirt off <laughs> and troy like totally freezes up and said says like what is happening and how can i help <laughs> i think that is one of the best delivered lines in this episode that it was a good line yeah 
I mean, everyone just like brings their A game here. I mean, I mean, even even Chevy Chase, I really have to give him like huge props in, in this episode. The uh, like the nice try, Stephen Fry seems like so genuine, and like Pierce is like actually invested, even though it's like a silly line meant to like set up Britta not being able to think of a name. Um, but yeah, I I mean. It's really carried, like, you couldn't give this script to just, like, any seven people. No. Anything uh, you want to add here? Yeah, um... Hmm. I think you, you covered all the all the big parts in this one. All right. All right, so, uh... They're all behind the tables there. They shake. No pen falls out. So, uh... The last place left to look is... They all look to Pierce. Is inside of his cast. Uh, they go through every pair of scissors. In the... Uh, oh, there is... Before that... Uh... The, the exchange between uh, Jeff and Britta, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. About uh, Jeff's organic soy cotton blend underwear. Right. Well, what what do you make of that? <laughs> I don't know, man. You know, I think it's uh, pretty clear what they're trying to say there. Which is what? I think there, there's something going on between Jeff and Britta. It seems to be yeah, happening it, since it, the, uh, seems, the paintball game, right? Yeah, it seems pretty obvious Like to me looking back. It obviously like comes out explicitly later. But it, like, I don't know, with that knowledge in mind, it like seems hard to miss now. Mm-hmm. Especially the fact that they give Abed like a specific line about it. Yeah. Um, but man, this is this is truly dark. I I think this is very like. I I mean, it's rare that you see Pierce have like actual fear, and the look of kind of like sadness like on Jeff's face like sadness with like kind of judgment like on his face about scratching his legs with Slim Jims is just uh, and and then surely just being mean to Britta and Annie out of nowhere and and then they still don't find the pen yeah only to hear that everyone's holding puppies outside mm-hmm. um uh, it's just, I mean, it's sad. I, I mean, you feel sad, like, lingering on that shot of them all just slumped, like, having no idea what to do. And also, man, Danny Pudi and Donald Glover are both built, like, more so than Joel McHale at this point. Yeah. It kind of, I feel like they try to make Abed look real lanky, but... <laughs> Abed's like secretly working out. Uh, yeah. Right. 
in the last scene of the episode, they all sort of sit on the floor defeated and essentially in the end decide that it had to be a ghost that took the pen. Uh, ultimately, basically because they just don't want to believe that any of them would be this horrible to cause all this pain within the group just so they could have a pen. And, you know, I think we talked about before how shocking it is, how much distance actually goes between each, like, quote-unquote winger speech. Uh, but I think this might be the actually the first use of the term in the show. And I think probably only the third or fourth time he's really given, like, a speech like this that brings the whole group back together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... You know, there's, like, the pilot, and then... Honestly, in terms of one that's, like, specifically to the group, I don't think there really is one where it's, like, this, you know, here we go, like, this is gonna wrap it all up. And it's even funnier because Abed is, like, pointing out that this is a thing and calling it winger speech. Um... And then really, though, you know, Troy is kind of like the protege here. It's kind of like a similar moment to the KFC episode where, like, uh, you know, he's nodding to Troy to, like, you have this special skill that that can wrap this up, which is just having enough of an imagination to think about why a ghost would want a pen. Which I think it's funny that that's what convinces everyone. And then... Uh, and then they all basically just walk out of there triumphantly. And then the Dean walks by uh, because they did not clean up the room. He seems very shocked, uh, but seems more worried that Abed called him non-miraculous. Yeah. Which, is this a is this a quote from something? You non-miraculous son of a bitch. Let's, uh... I don't know. No, I think this is, uh, <laughs> that just seems like such an abrasive thing for, for yeah. Abed to say for no reason. <laughs> um, but it's funny. I'll, I'll give it that. I still feel like it's crazy what censors like do and do not censor. It's it, like, it seems weird in 2020 that you can just say bitch on TV. It's not but not. Oh god, don't remind me. Twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty is just so much more smooth. Can we skip to twenty thirty? Yeah, that would be nice. Or like twenty twenty five. Let yeah, let's let's do the thing like that. Like phone companies and like OSs do now, where it's like Windows eight, Windows ten, or like and then it just stayed on Galaxy. Windows ten. Like we'll just stay in twenty twenty. Mm. Yeah, or like Samsung Galaxy S ten. Samsung Galaxy S20. Yeah. Uh, iPhone 8. iPhone X. Yeah. And then is it going to be iPhone triple X? No, I think it's the iPhone 12 now. Oh. Seems kind of lame. Keep it going. Or, or, you know, other logical progressions like Xbox One. Xbox Xbox, One X. Xbox 360. Xbox One. Xbox Series X, not to be confused with the Xbox One X. 
or the Xbox One S or the Xbox Series S. See, years should just work like that. It should be like 2020 X, 2020 X2, 2020 X2 One, and then 2030. Yeah. Uh, so what did you think of the last uh, scene here? Yeah, the when when the monkey comes out. Uh, oh, I guess I didn't even mention the monkey. <laughs> and takes a spoon, and we go back into the uh, like air ducts, and there's uh, all the pens and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, the, there's a couple references in there. One of them is the earnoculars, which I think is one of the deepest back references. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, there's a, like a plush human being in there. There's a Troy and Abed mug. But yeah, I mean, basically a ghost did take the pen. Yeah. And it wasn't Leonard. I'm sorry. That was disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, and Crystal the monkey got another paycheck. Who do you think gets the money? I guess whoever owns it. Yeah, probably. I like to think that Crystal the monkey trainer. like has her own bank account. Maybe. Want to check out the end tag? All right. So the end tag is just a quick look at the puppy parade. I guess the main joke is is really just that the last float is equality plus togetherness, and there's a cat on it as well. Yeah. And that the dean boos it. Yeah. Boy. <laughs> I don't. Uh. Yeah, I don't know. Not a good look, dean. Nope. Not a good look. I'm going to send this to the school board. All right. Do you want to talk about the story circle? Sure. Welcome back, America. <laughs> okay. Well, the story circle, you see, it's got eight steps. And it's a storytelling technique based on the hero's journey Adapted for television by Dan Harmon. These eight steps are a character starts in their comfort zone, experiences some need or desire that leads them to an unfamiliar situation that they have to adapt to, or they eventually get what they wanted but pay a price in order to return to comfort, having changed. Uh, this, you know, so, so we like to track the characters' journeys and, you know, via this method, trying to figure out how they fall into these eight steps in each episode. Um... I gotta say, I feel very stumped off the bat here. Yeah, this one's tough. In in, in terms of where to even start. I don't know if this is a situation where we should talk about it as a, like a, uh, you know, a whole group story circle. I feel like that's one approach because I think in terms of individual characters, you know, I'm noticing more and more season two really does arc together pretty strongly. And there's a lot of threads that go completely unresolved. 
Troy doesn't reveal that he knows it's Chang's baby. We don't find out for certain if Shirley is pregnant. There's no resolution of the sexual tension between Britta and Jeff or honestly like the romantic look at the end between Jeff and Annie is just that. It's just a look. Mm-hmm. Um Pierce's legs stay broken and you know Abed mentions this is how supervillains are made. Yeah. And it's pretty much true, but that's something that's not going to really pay off for for several episodes. You know, like we're going to continue going down all these paths. So I think in terms of the individual characters, I'm leaning towards that this is like a single step in their journey. Mm-hmm. rather than yeah like it's like a single part of the circle rather than you know kind of the resolution and i guess maybe we haven't done that sort of check-in you know like multi-episode check-in with the characters in a while but i feel like at the end of season two or maybe like halfway through season two there'll be like some strong arcs there probably even a lot stronger for each of them than in season one i feel like only jeff gets like a really definitive arc in season one yeah so i guess let's think of this like the the whole study group because that is what it is like you know they're really all going through the same thing together even though the attention may shift from this is what's going on with Shirley to this is what's going on with Jeff. We're kind of checking in on the stories that are building. And we do have some like big revelations. I mean, like with Abed, you know, tracking their menstrual cycles, but again, that doesn't get resolved. So I, what, what do you think like drives this episode? I mean, like the comfort zone is, I mean, probably just like hanging out as a study group and all, being done studying and ready to go to the puppy parade. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the need or desire here? Ooh. I, the... I guess the pen, right? It's either the pen or going to the puppy parade. Oh, true. Well, so I guess, I guess it's, it's ambiguous whether they go to the puppy parade. They probably don't. Right. No, I, I don't think they do because they see the Dean right after. And the Dean was at the puppy parade, so. Right. So he's he's already done with that. So if we look at it that way, I'd say. So, yeah, no, you're, well, yeah, it's probably the pen. But I guess it's they want to find the pen because that's what will get them to the puppy parade, though. Mm-hmm. I think it shifts over time. It starts as. They want to find the pen so they can go to the puppy parade, but then they become so consumed by it that it's now we need to find the pen so that we can confirm that we are not insane, basically. Um, so, yeah, I think this puts them in the unfamiliar situation with the where they're far more at odds with each other than normal. Like, we've had, like, relative stability in the study group where we've gone from them kind of being these, like, misfits that are all kind of doing their own thing to then they're, you know, solidly a group for a lot of these episodes. I mean, like, you know, even in an episode like Epidemiology, like, 
they're really just like hanging out together. I mean, if we go through like the other first episodes of season two, I mean, accounting for lawyers is basically all about them being a group and staying a group. Um, basic rocket science is like a full group episode. Uh, aerodynamics of gender, I think is like basically about, you know, hanging out anthropology one oh one. They're only in anthropology because they decided to as a group at the end of season one. So this has been like such an established paradigm to where now this conflict within the group is like abnormal. So I think that's the unfamiliar situation here. And then how do you think they adapt? Hmm. I guess they, well, they all kind of turn on each other there. I don't know if that's adapting. That's yeah. I think that's the adaptation or, or like the, you know, they search the bags, they strip. Um, yeah, I mean, but I guess it's turning on each other. It's like one by one, really, you know, they're all shifting in and out of suspicion. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I think really at the end of the day, this is a situation where they don't really get what they originally wanted but they, I feel like they find what they really wanted, which is stability within the group. Yeah. Like it's, you know, Annie says at the beginning, it's not a pen, it's a principle. And I think that's really what it is. I mean, that's the only reason they agree to stay and don't just all walk away from the start is it's the principle of keeping the group together. And... And that's really what they want. They're not searching for the pen. They're searching for figuring out how to fix the group and not have to, you know, live in fear that one of them is is basically like selling them all out. So I think they get what they wanted in the end, that they walk away secure with the idea that they can all trust each other. Like when Jeff says, what if a ghost took it? They're getting what they really wanted out of the situation. I mean, I'm sure Annie wants her pen back, but it's not so much losing her pen as thinking that she can't trust her friends. And I think they pay the price in that they really are living without resolution. They don't find the pen, and they've also inflicted a lot of harm upon each other. I mean, you can literally visually see it. Like, Shirley has had this embarrassing pregnancy, or, you know, for her, it's embarrassing you know, that her pregnancy is revealed. Pierce has his pale legs out in the open. Um, you know, I'm sure, like, Annie and Britta have gone through all this trauma. Like, Jeff is just pissed. I feel like Troy is actually the most uninvolved in this episode. He's really just there for jokes and doesn't get any, like, major connection, which is too bad. But anyways, I think they all pay through this price of just going through this like traumatic experience together. And they return to comfort by just letting it go and like living with this ridiculous explanation if it means they can just trust each other. Yeah. And so I think they've changed in that... Well... 
this is where it might get down to like granular character details but i think in general like the group is is preserved and is probably stronger with i think the exceptions of pierce and shirley pierce i think is obvious that pierce ultimately i think it's the shortest end of the stick gear and it shows that they don't they trust him so little that they won't even, you know, that they'll forcibly, I mean, assault him, really. Yeah, I mean, like, tore off his cast with scissors. Like, that's fucked up. Yeah. And and then I think with Shirley, I think Shirley is probably damaged in, like, a more lasting way from this. Britta and Annie seem like very willing to like forgive and forget. Troy, I f- feel like just thinks it's like a like a fun game in the end. And like Abed may recognize that there were negative consequences, but he he sees it as a bottle episode. You know, he sees it as at the end of the day, Jeff says these things and and that's it. It's all wrapped up and we all go home happy. Um, But I think this sits with Shirley and Pierce. Mm-hmm. But overall, overall, I I think they've they've learned more about how to to put some faith in each other. Is I think is I think the ultimate takeaway. But I guess I sort of I sort of doubled down here in like what the return to comfort is versus like getting what they wanted. I mean. Yeah, I think the getting what they wanted step is more like they don't get what they initially want. Um, like, I think it's not it's not finding the pen in the strip search is really kind of that step in terms of the pacing of the story. It's when they don't find it there and they're all sitting there defeated. That's like that's like paying the price then. Yeah, I mean, I feel like when everyone's in the same place and, you know, it's a bottle episode, uh, I feel like they really can't deviate from the path too much. So I think that's all pretty straightforward. Uh, What did you learn today and uh, what would you rate the episode? Well, what did I learn today? And you'd think after the thirtieth time you've asked me that, I'd prepare a response. Or I've asked you thirty-two times before. Yeah. Um, Actually, maybe less. We didn't do it the first few times. Well, I've learned that uh, if I ever lose my pet monkey, or if my pet monkey ever is freed by Abed that I should always check the air ducts because it's probably stealing my stuff. Um, and also that ghosts may uh, may want to just write a letter. You know, that's all they want. Yeah, like in the notebook. Yeah, sure. Um, overall, the rating? Hmm. Going to give this one just a, a 4.5. Okay. Anything in particular that uh, you liked or didn't like? Yeah, I liked how much was going on. All you know, I 
I like a good bottle episode from time to time. All right, that's a controversial opinion. Um, so I feel like you know we got a lot, a lot, a lot happening, a lot starting to happen. They were able to set up a few good storylines, but uh, but you gotta now you gotta wait and see what happens. But fortunately. We're watching these on Hulu, so we can just watch the next episode. We don't have to wait until next season or something. Uh, Except the way you watch these, you you will still wait. Yeah, that's a good point. But yeah, I'm, you know, four point five is a okay. Okay, that's a good good place. Yeah. Um. So I think I learned that uh, sometimes you really just have to to let things go and uh you know realize at the end of the day it's more important to to keep your friends than to get held up on the little things what i would rate it i uh i don't know it, it, it's you know i i feel like there's a problem in rating community episodes and that you're always biased towards what's the flashiest, and it's certainly not the flashiest episode. I'm sure by budget, I mean, the network was probably like, it's episode seven, and you've already spent way too much money. You need to chill out. You need to do a bottle episode. Uh, and, you know, it, it, it really, really holds holds up really well I, I i mean it it works so well in the context of the show and out of the context of the show like if you were just watching this as a one-off it's so loaded with like little quips and jokes that like we can't even tackle every one it's got all these references to other episodes all of the acting and like even the like clearly the directing is just like phenomenal um so I really don't want to ding it. Um, but I don't know. There's just something. There's just, I, I feel like it is this flash factor that it is, is a bottle episode, but I recognize like it's importance in the context of the greater story. So I'll go, I'll go for a modest, uh, Four point four uh four. Four point four four is my is my rating. Alright. Well, I think that's the end of the episode. Alright. I uh, if you wanna hear more of us, first of all Tell your friends. Tell your friends about this show. You can find this show wherever you found it, or you can find it at dominandre.com. You can find it on anchor.fm slash dominandre. You can find our uh, extra bonus content and access to our Discord at patreon.com slash dominandrepod. Um, and we're on pretty much all podcast platforms. So please, please share the love. Join the join the Friends of Fivel. And, uh, and most of all, if you want to help us out, go to Apple podcasts, give us a rating, give us a review, give us five stars. Hopefully 
leave us a nice review and the offer is still on the table that I will rate your business on Google reviews. If you rate the podcast, um, and, uh, always keep up with us on social media, Twitter, uh, Dom and Andre pod, Instagram, Dom and Andre podcast. With that, I'm Dom and I'm Andre. And this is Dom and Andre in the morning. See you next week. Goodbye.